Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Hello, everyone. From time to time, somebody asks me, why do you call yourself the scout instead of the guide? We have one guide. Let the Holy Spirit guide us as we move through the Scriptures. But I don't mind being the scout. Stays just a little bit ahead of the group and lets you know a little bit of what's coming as we make our way through the Scriptures. We're going to pick up at chapter 5 in the book of Esther tonight. This remarkable story of a young woman who won a beauty contest and became queen of the Persian Empire for at least for a number of years. She might have died as queen or she may have been displaced. Later on, Vashti, the queen that she replaced, was put back on the throne she became the queen mother in the time of Artaxerxes. In fact, it could be one of the reasons that Vashti got so mad at her husband was because she may have been pregnant with her son Artaxerxes when he commanded her to come before his male friends and make an appearance. That is one of the possibilities. But she was restored to the throne and Esther was taken from the throne later on in her life. But she was there long enough to save the people of Israel. We'll read up on it. I'll remind you where we are. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. This beautiful Psalm 95, an invitation now to worship our God. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us give a joyous shout to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Let us sing him psalms of praise. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. He owns the depths of the earth, and even the mightiest mountains are His. The sea belongs to Him, for He made it. His hands formed the dry land, too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the sheep under His care. Oh, that you would listen to his voice today. 
The Lord says, Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tried my patience. They courted my wrath, though they had seen my many miracles. For forty years I was angry with them, and I said, They are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I made a vow. They will never enter my place of rest. End of reading, Psalm 95. Breathe on me, breath of God. Bring my life close to your spirit. Beat in me, heart of God. My soul's in prayer to be You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Uh, We might as well title that song tonight, The Prayer of Esther. The Jews now have been taken into exile over into Babylon. Fifty to 60,000 of them, because of a decree issued by Cyrus, were able to go back to Israel. But many thousands stayed behind, and among them was a man named Mordecai. He had adopted into his family a younger cousin named Esther, or Hadessa. She is chosen as one of the beauties of the realm, replacing Vashti, who was the queen of the Persian Empire. Mordecai, her uncle, also holds a high position in the service of the emperor, and they find out that a man named Haman is trying to wipe out all of the Jewish people. He has paid a great deal of money, and he has put together a plan to kill all the people of Israel. He is a descendant of Agag, the king of the Amalekites, from back in the land of Israel, a traditional historic enemy of the people of Israel. So he puts together this plan. Mordecai finds out about it and tells Esther, now Esther is going to go before the emperor, reveal the plot to kill her and all of her fellow Jews in Babylon and make a plea. But there's a little hitch to the thing, and that is that she just can't go waltzing into the presence of the emperor. She can't go into his presence unless he accepts her approach. Esther 5.1 through 10.3 Esther 5. Three days later, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her, holding out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched its tip. Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, If it please your majesty, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet, as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If your majesty is pleased with me and wants to grant my request, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for you. Then tomorrow I will explain what this is all about. What a happy man Haman was as he left the banquet. 
But when he saw Mordecai sitting at the gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, he was furious. However, he restrained himself and went on home. Then he gathered together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other officials and leaders. Then Haman added, And that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us, and she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Then he added, But all this is meaningless as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. So Haman's wife Zeresh and all his friends suggested, Set up a gallows that stands seventy-five feet tall, and in the morning ask the king to hang Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman immensely, and he ordered the gallows set up. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Esther 6 That night the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered an attendant to bring the historical records of his kingdom so they could be read to him. In those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who guarded the door of the king's private quarters. They had plotted to assassinate the king. What reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? the king asked. His attendants replied, nothing has been done. Who is that in the outer court? the king inquired. Now as it happened, Haman had just arrived in the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai from the gallows he had prepared. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is out there. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman came in, and the king said, What should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? Haman thought to himself, Whom would the king wish to honor more than me? So he replied, If the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as the king's own horse with a royal emblem on its head. Instruct one of the king's most noble princes to dress the man in the king's robe and to lead him through the city square on the king's own horse. Have the prince shout as they go, This is what happens to those the king wishes to honor. Excellent, the king said to Haman. Hurry and get the robe and my horse, and do just as you have said for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the gate of the palace. Do not fail to carry out everything you have suggested. So Haman took the robe and put it on Mordecai, placed him on the king's own horse, and led him through the city square, shouting, This is what happens to those the king wishes to honor. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the palace gate. But Haman hurried home, dejected and completely humiliated. When Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends what had happened, they said, Since Mordecai, this man who has humiliated you, is a Jew, you will never succeed in your plans against him. It will be fatal to continue to oppose him. While they were still talking, the king's eunuchs arrived to take Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. Esther 7 So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine that day, the king asked her again, Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And so Queen Esther replied, If your majesty is pleased with me and wants to grant my request, my petition is that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. 
For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had only been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet, for that would have been a matter too trivial to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing, King Xerxes demanded? Who would dare touch you? Esther replied, This wicked Haman is our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out into the palace garden. But Haman stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that he was doomed. In despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining, just as the king returned from the palace garden. Will he even assault the queen right here in the palace before my very eyes, the king roared? And as soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. Then Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Haman has set up a gallows that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. He intended to use it to hang Mordecai, the man who saved the king from assassination. Then hang Haman on it, the king ordered. So they hanged Haman on the gallows he had set up for Mordecai, and the king's anger was pacified. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Esther 8 on that same day, King Xerxes gave the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther. Then Mordecai was brought before the king, for Esther had told the king how they were related. The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken back from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai to be in charge of Haman's property. Now once more Esther came before the king, falling down at his feet and begging him with tears, to stop Haman's evil plot against the Jews. Again the king held out the gold scepter to Esther. So she rose and stood before him and said, If your majesty is pleased with me, and if he thinks it is right, send out a decree reversing Haman's orders to destroy the Jews throughout all the provinces of the king. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? Then King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, I have given Esther the estate of Haman, and he has been hanged on the gallows because he tried to destroy the Jews. Now go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever you want, and seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember that whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can never be revoked. So on June 25th, the king's secretaries were summoned. As Mordecai dictated, they wrote a decree to the Jews and to the princes, governors, and local officials of all the 127 provinces, stretching from India to Ethiopia. The decree was written in the scripts and languages of all the peoples of the empire, including the Jews. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes and sealed the message with the king's signet ring. He sent the letters by swift messengers, who rode horses especially bred for the king's service. The king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives. They were allowed to kill, slaughter, and annihilate anyone of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives, and to take the property of their enemies. The day chosen for this event throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes was March 7th of the next year. A copy of this decree was to be recognized as law in every province and proclaimed to all the people. That way the Jews would be ready on that day to take revenge on their enemies. So urged on by the king's command, 
the messengers rode out swiftly on horses bred for the king's service. The same decree was also issued at the fortress of Susa. Then Mordecai put on the royal robe of blue and white and the great crown of gold, and he wore an outer cloak of fine linen and purple. And the people of Susa celebrated the new decree. The Jews were filled with joy and gladness and were honored everywhere. In every city and province, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. And many of the people of the land became Jews themselves, for they feared what the Jews might do to them. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Esther 9. So on March the 7th, the two decrees of the king were put into effect. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to destroy them, but quite the opposite happened. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the king's provinces to defend themselves against anyone who might try to harm them. But no one could make a stand against them, for everyone was afraid of them. And all the commanders of the provinces, the princes, the governors, and the royal officials helped the Jews for fear of Mordecai. For Mordecai had been promoted in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces as he became more and more powerful. But the Jews went ahead on the appointed day and struck down their enemies with the sword. They killed and annihilated their enemies and did as they pleased with those who hated them. They killed 500 people in the fortress of Susa. They also killed Parshandatha, Dalphon, Aspatha, Poratha, Adalia, Aridatha, Parmashta, Arisai, Aridai, and Vaisatha, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamidatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not take any plunder. That evening, when the king was informed of the number of people killed in the fortress of Susa, he called for Queen Esther and said, The Jews have killed five hundred people in the fortress of Susa alone, and also Haman's ten sons. If they have done that here, what has happened in the rest of the provinces? But now, what more do you want? It will be granted to you. Tell me, and I will do it. And Esther said, If it please your majesty, give the Jews in Susa permission to do again tomorrow as they have done today, and have the bodies of Haman's ten sons hung from the gallows. So the king agreed, and the decree was announced in Susa. They also hung the bodies of Haman's ten sons from the gallows. Then the Jews at Susa gathered together on March 8th and killed 300 more people, though again they took no plunder. Meanwhile, the other Jews throughout the king's provinces had gathered together to defend their lives. They gained relief from all their enemies, killing 75,000 of those who hated them. But they did not take any plunder. Throughout the provinces, this was done on March the 7th. Then on the following day, they rested celebrating their victory with a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews at Susa continued killing their enemies on the second day also, and then rested on the third day, making that their day of feasting and gladness. So to this day, rural Jews living in unwalled villages celebrate an annual festival and holiday in late winter when they rejoice and send gifts to each other. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to the Jews near and far throughout all the king's provinces, encouraging them to celebrate an annual festival on these two days. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness and by giving gifts to each other and to the poor. This would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. 
So the Jews adopted Mordecai's suggestion and began this annual custom. Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted to crush and destroy them on the day and month determined by casting lots. The lots were called Purim. But when Esther came before the king, he issued a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire, and Haman and his sons were hanged on the gallows. That is why this celebration is called Purim, because it is the ancient word for casting lots. So because of Mordecai's letter and because of what they had experienced, the Jews throughout the realm agreed to inaugurate this tradition and to pass it on to their descendants and to all who became Jews. They declared they would never fail to celebrate these two prescribed days at the appointed time each year. These days would be remembered and kept from generation to generation and celebrated by every family throughout the provinces and cities of the empire. These days would never cease to be celebrated among the Jews, nor would the memory of what happened ever die out among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote another letter putting the queen's full authority behind Mordecai's letter to establish the festival of Purim. In addition, letters wishing peace and security were sent to the Jews throughout the 127 provinces of the Empire of Xerxes. These letters established the Festival of Purim, an annual celebration of these days at the appointed time, decreed by both Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther. The people decided to observe this festival just as they had decided for themselves and their descendants to establish the times of fasting and mourning. So the command of Esther confirmed the practices of Purim, and it was all written down in the records. Esther 10. King Xerxes imposed tribute throughout his empire, even to the distant coastlands. His great achievements and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Media and Persia. Mordecai the Jew became the prime minister, with authority next to that of King Xerxes himself. He was very great among the Jews, who held him in high esteem because he worked for the good of his people and was a friend at the royal court for all of them. End of reading Esther 5.1 through 10.3 This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. A remarkable series of events come together to save the people of Israel from being slaughtered there in Babylon in exile. Look at the long series of events. First, the people of Israel are exiled to Babylon for 70 years. Then many of them are allowed to return, 50 of 60,000 of them. Mordecai and Esther and his family, they decide to stay there in Babylon, along with many, many others who did. As far as we understand, Daniel did. Ezekiel was there. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, others. There were many families that stayed there in Babylon. Maybe they were too old to make the 900-mile journey. Maybe they had settled and become comfortable and didn't want to make that journey for whatever reason. Another thing that happened is Mordecai is in position, employed in the palace. Vashti, the former queen of the empire, is expelled from the throne for her mini-rebellion against the emperor, not wanting to parade herself before his male friends. So she gets pushed off the throne. 
just in time. Then Esther, who happens to be a beauty, just happens to be chosen to be queen of the empire. And then you have this villain Haman in place, this Agagite, Amalekite, who hates all of the Jews with such an intense hatred that he sets up this special date to kill all the Jews in the empire. And there's nothing that can stop him. He has that influence and power, except now Esther is in position. She goes before the emperor three times now, taking the risk of being rejected and herself paying the penalty of death as well. And look at this. The emperor can't sleep. What a night to have a case of insomnia. The emperor cannot sleep, and so he calls for the history books. Now, if there's anything that will put you to sleep, <laughs> it's a history book, right? I, I don't know. Maybe you like history. Evidently, he did, or he was trying to get to sleep. But he orders a history book, and he happens, just happens, to read the story of how Mordecai had been involved in saving his life from this assassination plot some years before. And so just as Haman is coming to set up the gallows to kill Mordecai, the king says to him, what would you do to honor somebody that you really wanted to honor? And ironically, Haman is the one assigned to honor Mordecai, just as he was coming to ask for Mordecai's death. Then at the banquet that evening, Esther confronts Haman with his attack on her people. He falls on her couch. The king sees it and says, let him be killed on that same gallows. It just goes on and on and on what God will do for his people. Remember now, not only is this about Mordecai and Esther and the Jews there in Babylon, but remember God has made a promise to bring the Messiah through the lineage of King David. It's an amazing story this is, and God is all through it, although he's not mentioned by name. We don't need to be filled with hatred against evil and evildoers. We can trust our God to bring about his plan. I hope our listener named Richard is listening tonight. He called in the other night asking about Ahasuerus, another name for Xerxes or Artaxerxes. And I mentioned to him that I thought that was Artaxerxes, not Xerxes, the emperor we're dealing with now in the time of Esther. But as it turns out, as I have Googled and gone to Wikipedia and so on and so on and looked into the history, a very fascinating history, I might add, of the emperors of Persia of this era, including Cyrus and Darius the Mede and others, there is an interrelationship between them. But this indeed was Xerxes, not Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes is the son of Xerxes, the reason for which Vashti was deposed as queen. But more than anything else, we see here the sovereignty of God. In the midst of a world where good and evil exist and good people and wicked people coexist, God is still sovereign and brings about His perfect will. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 